one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Bringing you another show from beautiful South Florida. Got a little cool over the weekend, but uh, we're spoiled, huh? We are very spoiled. Well, I I spent, uh, I did a couple of trips for ESPN college football, and I spent Tuesday and Wednesday in Buffalo. That's a balmy, balmy what? Twenty something degrees, thirty degrees. It was in the low thirties, thirty three to thirty five, pretty much, and just stayed like there the whole day and whole night and everything. Uh, We didn't get any snow. Uh, but uh, there was uh, some rain and stuff with it. Uh, and then I came home for one day, and I traveled to Nashville for a game at Vanderbilt. That was cold there, too, wasn't it? It was cold and windy there, so it was felt colder to me. But uh, great place. Uh, quick story. We're out uh, having a few drinks after the game in the hotel bar. And uh, the buddy, my buddy that I work for, Dave Lamont, who is the uh, play-by-play announcer for ESPN and ABC, he says, that guy over there, he goes, that's Robert Plant. And it was, the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. Wow. He's, he's like 70 now. He's in his 70s. Anyway, Dave is a huge fan, and we wanted to go over. He did not, but on the way out, I went by, and, and I said hello and shook his hand. And, uh, nice. Cool. He was cool? He was actually kind of standoffish, to be honest. I didn't really, we didn't really want to bother him. I'm sure his life is constantly people coming up and bothering him. <laughs> But it was funny. They was he was sitting there at the bar with a couple other guys, and uh, Lucinda Williams joined him. She's a country rock singer. But uh, that was pretty cool. Anyway, uh, just the point is, it was uh, we are very spoiled. It is so cold, uh, different places, and crazy weather. Yeah. But uh, we get back here, and it's people are complaining about fi- fifty nine or sixty. I had no idea you were going to Nashville because it looks like I'll be making a trip for about three days to Nashville in oh, January. Oh, great town! In January, I love that so town. Uh, any pointers after the show? You can give me any well, nice places. If to you're go a music to. fan, you can find any kind of music. Yeah, mostly, a lot of country music. Right, exactly. But uh, they have a they have a place called Music Row. All the big country singers have their own bars. Jason Aldean. Uh, uh, Eric Church, uh, all, uh, Keith uh, Keith Urban, I think, has a bar. I'm not sure. But uh, uh, a lot of big names, and their names are all plastered all over, and they have these pl- bars. Uh, is it a, a big city? It is a big city. And uh, there's a street called Broadway where there's that's a lot where of clubs. They told uh, me Kid that's Rock has a bar there. Okay. What and hotel, if you don't mind me asking? I where stayed at the Lowe's, which was very nice, uh, very expensive. Because it looks like we were going to be staying maybe at the Omni. Have you, did you see that I hotel? I didn't see the Omni. No? But I did get a chance to see a show there myself. Uh, when saw a longtime uh, rocker that I've been a fan of for many years, Ben Queller is his name. I saw him at a small club. And uh, when I went to there, drove by Nissan Stadium, which is where the Titans play. And uh, it was cool, and walked around campus in Vanderbilt, which is a gorgeous campus, and uh, it was a great trip. But I don't think there's any poker there at all. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. Do I remember anyone talking about playing poker in, in Tennessee? Tennessee? No, I'm not. I don't know. That that's a very good question, Dave. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, uh, a couple tournaments I wanted to wrap up. They had that big uh, Super High Roller Bowl Bahamas that we were talking about last week. They were down to the final three players. And uh, Daniel DeVoris was uh, the champion. $250,000 buy-in. He won $4 million. Good for him. Congratulations. Uh, Wai Long Chan finished second. And Kathy Laney took third. Uh, she is a businesswoman that plays in a lot of high-roller tournaments. Uh, kind of feel a little sorry for her because she had pocket aces and going up against Chan, who had pocket sixes. There were two kings on the flop. And then... a Six on the river. Oh, so uh, she went out, but she still won 1.785 million. Uh, the big name players that were in this event that I had mentioned last week when we left the show were all knocked out uh, before this final three. Uh, Eric Seidel, Seth Davies, Steve O'Dwyer, Jason Kuhn, and Justin Bonomo. Pretty, pretty stacked. That's field. a pretty impressive final table there. Yeah, so that we just want to wrap that up for you. We talked about it last week. Um, because there was no PCA anymore, uh, you know, this is probably the big event down there now, but that was kind of a made-for-poker-go. Uh, but we'll get into some of that a little bit later. 
Um, right now here in South Florida, we got the uh, Rock and Roll Poker Open, which uh, just a few minutes ago finished their event number one. They are actually they, they finished six events already. It was wow. one of those things we I think we talked about it where there's a lot of mixed events that started you know kind of overlapped with this uh, big eight opening session event with four hundred dollar four hundred dollar buy-in. 4,600 and almost 4,700 players. Wow. That's amazing. But they just finished that a little, uh, a few minutes ago, half hour ago. Uh, the uh, There were six players that chopped at the final table. And Ben Boston actually got the... Uh, the lion's share? Got the lion. Not the lion's share. I would say just slightly The trophy? More. The trophy? The trophy, right. And uh, the funny thing was... The guy who finished in second for a number of chips was like two sh- two chips short of Boston. It would have been the title. But the funny story was on day two, he was down to his last chip. Chip in a chair, chip huh? Chip in a chair. Came all the way back and made the final table. And uh, so he ends up technically finishing second. There's obviously the six players there. Uh, not a lot of big-name players in this tournament. Uh, there was lo- a lot of big-name local players in here, but uh, Boston... Uh, is a guy who uh, hadn't been to the Seminole Hard Rock, he said, in many years and was really shocked to see how much they've done with it there. But uh, some of the other players that split it up were uh, this player that I mentioned, uh, Pedro uh, Katinchi, uh, Song O, Ronald Campillo, Brian Mancilla, and a player who went by the name John Two Bears. Two Bears? I think his last name is Hill. Uh, John John Hill, but he's a big guy, and they call him Two Bears. <laughs> he's just the size of Two Bears. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the big local player that finished seventh, uh, just outside of the chop, was uh, Ricky Legere, and the Leaf Force from Tallahassee was also at the uh, final table. But that was event number one. There's several others that have been in there. Some of these mixed events, uh, not to run them all down for you, because. Um, not a lot of huge names, I guess, if, if there were someone that we really knew very well. But this is the first tournament over at the Seminole Hard Rock since they have the new poker room. They're in playing the guitar. Yeah, they're playing the big, uh, they played in the ballroom. Um, so it wasn't in the actual poker room. They're keeping that open for the cash games. And uh, uh, from what I hear, it's just doing fantastic over there. Did we expect no, any different than that? I know I didn't. We didn't. You know. uh, do you get to much chance to see the light show on the side of the building? No. Like tonight, I said, the only night that I've seen the light show was, was the, the opening? opening night. That was it. But I am, I, I will be heading over there next week. Um, you know what I'm wondering? Is if you're staying in the hotel, does that bother you from sleeping? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. Turn those lights off! <laughs> I would imagine it doesn't because somebody had to have thought about that and put yeah, whatever sure. special windows you have to have in your room. I'm so. sure. It's basically uh, the way they describe the guitar is that it's like supposed to be back-to-back guitars. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I guess that would I, be like you've a been there, so I don't know if you you haven't seen it. Yeah, I've seen it, but uh, I haven't uh, been inside at night, you know, and... Uh, Oh, you mean when the light shows come on? Yeah, it's, it's supposed to look like that. All well, right. it has this. It has a great thing. The like the, the the what do they call it? The fret or the arm of the guitar right. that shoots up into the sky, and then at certain times of the night they'll have lasers coming out of that. Uh, they can do fireworks off the top of the building. It's just multicolor, multi patterns. It's really a cool thing. It was almost be like you Now when you went, was there the same hassle as that opening week with a lot of traffic and to get in there and stuff still? Uh, is there still that? It's not as bad. It's not as bad. I haven't been there during the t- this tournament now that it's really getting underway. Anyway, the main event is uh, later this week, so uh we'll get a better look at it over there, but uh uh, they are into several events. Event 8 uh, is uh, just about finished. In fact, I think that is finished as well. That was a uh, a $1,700 buy-in purple chip bounty tournament. And they are finished with that one as well. And uh, several other smaller events. But they have, I think tonight, they stayed at one that's only, it was only $150. Wow. Just for some geographical perspective, guys, when you walk outside the door and you leave the studio today, if you look in that direction, you can see the light coming from oh, the neck. Okay. It's called the neck, the neck of, the of guitar. a guitar. And you can't see the light show, but you see that light. It almost looks like um, in Vegas, 
the um, the Luxor. The Luxor, That there's yeah. a light, yep, you know, coming exactly. at that. And literally, when you walk outside the door, you could see the light. Wow. Right this isn't, I, I, I didn't pay attention last yeah. week. This I'll isn't a look just this blue or pink or purple or whatever. It's all multicolored, constantly changing the patterns and everything. It's so cool. Yes, actually, you could even from here you could see like that the light changes color. You can't see the quite the light show or anything, but you can see the light. It's extremely bright. You cannot see the actual hotel from where we're at because of you know it's in the horizon. But if you go out to university right there, you can see the actual yeah, building. Put out a lawn chair and just right watch there. it like a fireworks yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, that's going to be interesting this New Year's Eve when it comes up, huh? Yeah, exactly. And you know that they're going to be throwing unbelievable parties, being that the Super Bowl is down here this, this year. Well, coming up. I mentioned that in a previous show. In case you missed it, uh, they are already sold out for the yeah, whole entire Super Bowl I was Super mentioning week. that to somebody. You told me at $2,000. $3,000 Oh, room pardon me. Per night. I, I undersold them. 3000 a room per night. Wow. So, anyway, uh, we'll enjoy that. That'll be fun. A um, couple other events that I wanted to mention. David Jackson was the winner uh, up in uh, Atlantic City at the Borgata. He won that main event up there. Um, I'm not sure if we were quite finished with that when we were talking about it last week. But uh, David Jackson wins 211000 winning the Borgata Fall Poker Open main event. $2,700 championship. And uh, Peter Walsworth, who plays in a lot of tournaments down here at Seminole Hard Rock. I've met Peter before. He's from Sarasota. He finished second. Paul Volpe was third. Nikolai Markov, fourth. Robert Chase and Stuart Taylor rounded out the final six at that one there, which I guess we'll see on uh, the WPT uh, television shows. They're underway in season 18. And they just made an announcement today, by the way, uh, that the uh, they're going to cover these the Seminole Hard Rocks Lucky Hearts Open after the first of the year, I believe. Good. It's, is it January? Yeah. The final table starts uh, on the 22nd of January, so that will be uh, big uh, WPT Deep Stacks event along with it uh, that starts on January 9th through the 14th, and then the main event later on starts on the 17th, and they finish up on the 22nd and all the other events in between. So they're covering that this year. They're covering the rock and roll and, of course, the regular showdown in April. So it's just uh, a great uh, partnership with the WPT that continues to grow. Uh, pretty amazing. I did also want to mention uh, the uh, the Pennsylvania uh, online is just doing gangbusters. Really? Yeah. You mean for the casino and and or the poker? No, the uh, online poker. Uh, it's only Poker Stars PA right now, uh, because the other ones that have their licenses haven't got started yet. So they're they're taking advantage of being the only one, right? But uh, seven day average in their cash games of 425 players. So Good. That's, that's pretty uh, outstanding. But and let me tell you, that's a big advantage when you get that first start like that, Dave. You know, you could develop that clientele and 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 you know <laughs> all those players playing on your line. It's going to be that's just another obstacle that their competition is going to have to try to you know overcome. Yeah, now absolutely. That, now that I don't know how much longer the other sites are going to have are going to have to wait before they get licensed to you know and start trying to compete against them. But uh, good for them. I mean, this is what we. To be honest, Dave, it shouldn't be a surprise. The surprise is that I I don't think New Jersey's doing as well in the poker as as everyone anticipated. Right. Right. You that's know. True. So that that was a little bit of a surprise, but I believe that as you start to you know get these states to cooperate and and commingle their their players, you know, God willing, in a few years we'll be back up to what we had. Uh, what was it? Is it now eight years, nine years that it's been? Yeah, I can't even imagine eight that. Eight and a half years. You know, that's amazing. We were talking about how. People, they wanted us to wait six months to a year. We were like, oh, that's not going to be possible. Well, I think it was 18 months there. The Eight, cooling like I said, yeah, right, like a year and a half to two. And everybody was hitting the, you know, now we'd, Didn't we'd think they kill. Get along now we'd it. kill if they gave us another year and a half before we could all start playing again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just for some kind of comparison, uh, if you're if you're looking for that, uh, there's seven-day average in our cash games in Pennsylvania. We mentioned 425, which is right online. With uh, the Poker Stars operation in India, 
and a little bit behind a couple European operations like Unibet and Poker Stars Italy, and uh, a little bit ahead of Party Poker in Europe. Uh, in the United States, the uh, New Jersey, Nevada, Delaware uh, conglomerate, where it's co they're commingled there, has a seven-day average of 220. That's what I'm talking about. about. You know, the, it, it, it hasn't taken off uh, as, as much as I thought it would. So these are great numbers for Pennsylvania, obviously. Yeah. Can you imagine if uh, New York and, uh, and, and California finally work it out to, to be able to start? That would have to start the conversation about, you know, Getting together because it's, it's. I mean, listen. We already know what the numbers were prior to to Black Friday. You know, to that Black yeah, Friday. Absolutely. So, uh, this is very encouraging. I got to imagine the poker community is very excited about yeah, this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they are going to have a big uh, series of uh, tournaments called the Pennsylvania Championship of Online Poker, the Pacoop, which we conducted uh, with a million in guarantees over 50 events. Wow. Okay. So that will be a huge thing there. Uh, the main event is going to have a hundred thousand guarantee with a three hundred dollar buy-in. So uh, if it's new and uh, you know it's going to bring people in for sure, but uh, certainly is a lot of fun well, over there. Nice to know that uh, poker players in Pennsylvania have stepped up. You know, very nice. No question. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before we take our first break is. Uh, Poker Go, which uh, was showing that seminal, uh, not the seminal, the Super High Roller Bowl, Bahamas, uh, is trying to come up with some ideas to kind of branch out a little bit instead of just showing up at tournaments that a lot of people don't really care that much about. Um, they have a new game show coming out called The Big Blind, which combines quiz shows, poker, and gambling. So I don't know the exact format. It's going to start next Monday. Jeff Platt is going to be the host and uh, they have already lined up some uh, people to play, including uh, Norm MacDonald, the uh, comedian. Uh, Joey Ingram is going to play. Alex Jacob, who is uh, a poker pro who did very well on Jeopardy. And uh, that will all start out. But it's going to be a combination of like uh, quiz questions uh, related to gambling. Uh, they're going to tie some poker in that. Poker is really going to be the focal point, obviously, as you would might imagine. But... Uh, uh, you know, aspects of the gameplay as betting strategies will be used, like in Jeopardy. So, uh, sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it should be cool. And now that you mentioned Jeopardy, did you hear about that? The, the top three all-time money winners are going to have a yeah, play Ken against Jennings, each other. Uh, the guy who just everyone thought yeah, he was going to surpass Ken Jennings, and he actually fell Holzhau a little short. Holhauser, Holzauer. You know, and. Uh, uh, James Holzhauer. I, I had forgotten about that, and you mentioned Jeopardy, and I'm going, oh, wait a minute, that, that, that's a pretty interesting thing. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on some of these things. Um, in our second segment, I want to come back. There's some uh, ideas out there for how to improve tournament poker. And I just wondered, as a as a uh, floor person... Not strategy. You're talking no. about how to improve the experience Changing, of tournament uh, poker. what you want to do. Because a lot of people don't like the fact that people show up late. And a lot of these things are tied in with trying to get people to show up on time. Well, I'd like to hear what they have to say to try to to, to try to entice people for that. Uh, to me, there's only one way: guarantee more chips at the starting time. But, yeah, well, that's, but that's one of them. rules and regulations, because I actually I wanted to do something very similar to that in Dania, and and I had I had uh, mentioned when I was working there, you know, why don't we offer an extra you know, 1,000 units to people that get in there within the first, you know, say half hour or before the first level is, is up. And I was told you can't do that in the state of Florida because the, the you know, state regulations state that if they buy in, everyone has to start with an equal stack. Okay. So I'm curious to yeah, hear what well, they got to uh, say when we come back from our break. See what you think. Let's take our first break on the show. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We come to you every week and uh, working on some guests for the fall. We'll try to get a little more uh, permanent schedule for when we uh, actually do the shows. But uh, as far as uh, picking up the show, you can always pick us up on uh, the Hold'em Radio Network. You can go to SoundCloud. You can pick us up on iTunes. You can go to any place you get your podcasts, really. The Poker Fuse podcast page. Uh, go to our website, Poker Action Line, where a lot of those are posted there. And uh, we'll check it out. But... Uh, 
We'll take this break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about a few other things in the world of poker as the season moves on into Thanksgiving holiday. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Hey, Billy. Yeah? Do you want to go to the state fair? Yeah. Do you want to ride the roller coaster? Yeah. The big one? Yeah. The one with the reverse flip? <gasps> yeah! Well, you can't. <gasps> you see, Billy, when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have done with it, including going to the state fair. Oh, man. Cheer up. This year, your parents will make it right. They're going to visit energysavers.gov where they'll get tips on how to save energy and money. Then they'll add extra insulation and get a few of those Energy Star appliances. They could save hundreds of dollars a year. And you know what, Billy? What? They'll take you to the state fair <gasps> next year. But I want to go this year. I know you do, Billy. I know you do. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe. And uh, I did want to touch on this article that I was reading on, uh, this was on Poker News Daily. Uh, pl- players bannering ideas for improving tournament poker. Now, we think we've done it all, and we think uh, things are great the way they are, but there's always a few things, and people have some ideas. One of the people, one of the things people are unhappy about is players showing up late. So uh, their main thing, uh, they have several different ideas, but their main idea to get people to show up on time is to st- have all tournaments start with an ante in the very first round. We don't see that too often in a lot of big tournaments. I think in smaller tournaments, I, I think it's a, isn't that a regular thing? Uh, not that I know. Of. No, no. I mean, some people may have implemented that, but I, you know, I haven't heard about it here locally. Now, there. So now, what are they doing? Because I know, I don't what, know. What is, because what is some standard? tournaments, two to three levels yes, before you usually, start. Usually, usually, depending on how how much you know how long the blind uh, levels are, like down here. Most of them will start because they're either 20 minutes or 15 minutes on some of the, you know, I'm talking about the local casinos. Um, it's usually by anywhere between the fourth and the sixth level when the Andes kick in. That long? Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about when they're, sh- sh- you know, uh, smaller. Yeah. You know, like uh, when the when the blind structures are 15 minutes, 20 minutes for some of the local tournaments here. Now, I have no idea... I wasn't paying attention to that, but obviously, like in, in the main event, in some of these where where the where you know the, the the blind levels are an hour and a half, two hours, I would imagine they would start probably after the second or third one, even though that's a long time going forward. I guess it all depends on how quickly they want to move the action. Right. Um, and you know, we discussed I know on one of our previous shows recently about how they wanted to change it up to and. Once it gets shorthanded, instead of a big blind ante, a small blind ante, so there could be a little bit more play, uh, which is an idea. I don't know if they've, you know, if if tournaments around the country have, uh, you know, uh, implemented this change as maybe as you get to the final table or so. Right. Which I, which for me, I'm thinking about it as a player. I would love that because you know you get down to six-handed. It, it, the blind, the blind structure is already big to begin with, and now if you're putting in that, you know, a big blind, uh, two big blinds around with five, five, six-handed, 
you know, you really got to start gambling. You know, that now now you got to really start gambling depending on, on your stack size. So the shorter stacks have are being penalized even more so. Right. So I don't know, you know, if the TDA has come up with something that people are using uh, consistently throughout the country. And well, I think a few people try these things. Uh, there was a, There's a series coming up at the win in December that's going to feature antis from the very start of the tournament. Of course, you know, now we have the big blind antis, so that uh, changes things even more where the... Uh, the ante comes from the uh, button. But uh, Matt Affleck was the one that said, uh, when will it be standard that all tournaments will start with an ante? He said it encourages players to show up on time. Uh, but why now, not this is assuming that people have already bought into the tournament, been assigned a seat, and their chips are already starting to be taken off. Right. Here's the problem with local tournaments. You do that, and you forget people who are going to walk in. Yeah. Because now they're going to... People love late We used to do that. I did, I've did. i done that with some of the tournaments that I ran years ago when I was you know, running uh, Miami Highlight, now Casino Miami. I used to do that. You know, And it created such an issue. And I remember when I first started working at Dania a few years ago... Uh, the poker manager then, Omar, you know, started implementing that and just pissed off your customers so much. Now, again, these are local tournaments. You're not trying to piss off your customers here. It doesn't have the prestige of a WSOP or WPT tournament, you know. But um, if you've bought into the tournament, so what would they do? They'll start anding a stack. They'll start ending a stack, and then as you come in, you're assigned to that, and you start with whatever that is, which is the only way that you can really force somebody to come in because they're going to start with less chips, right. obviously. Right. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know how they're how the the customer base is going to ha- deal with that. Well, you, and really, you can only do it if the table is basically full, right? Uh, no, mean, no. You can't have the different tables be different. Like, if you have three players yeah. at your table, they can't start doing now, the Now, oh, you know, what Omar did was we started blinding empty seats with stacks in front of them. But when the player came in, they started with a full stack. That stack would be removed, and a full stack would come in. Okay. So the players who started, I think as a tournament and I've loved to play tournaments. You know, um, some rooms do this, some don't. And there's there's merit for both sides of it, Dave. Where, hey, I got 18 players. I'm going to put, you know, nine and nine. It's full tables. The tournament players want full tables. Because, like I said, the blinds keep coming around too quickly for them. So now four or five more players come, and they don't want to do the thing of, I got to move two from this table, two from this table, and you're constantly doing that. But then the flip side of that is, all right, we're going to start 18 tables. We're anticipating that we're going to run 10, 12 tables. Well, now you'll start three or four handed on four tables. You know, try to fill them up, and then start doing that to the other tables. But those players are constantly complaining. Why are we starting with only right. four players? So I'm, you know, they started just taking. Stacks and empty seats, but not in every seat. They put it in certain seats, and then as those players came in, they, they you know they jump into those seats. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, th- what other suggestions do they well, have? We'll get, there? To, we'll get to those. Uh, is there? Do you think there's an advantage to late registering in a tournament? Uh, I, I mean, are there players? Since I've in? never done it, I don't. I don't know. Are there players know? who like kind of? Walk around the outside of the room and maybe kind of see what kind of uh, play is occurring and maybe adjust their strategy according to that? No, I think it all depends. Listen, and I saw this a lot at Dania where, you know, you get to the level where where you're allowed to do an add-on and, a re- and you know, like add extra chips. And depending on how much the blinds jump up, well, you know, there's only a handful of people that have a stack large enough that they can, you know, not have to worry. Yeah. Some don't have to, re, you know, uh, do an add-on at the end, okay? And others have to, but the blind structure is so big, they're going to get hit. So what I did see some people do, and actually saw them finish very high in the tournament, and again, you know that you got to go in there aggressive, but they'll do the buy-in for, their reg- you know, for the regular amount. Then they can, at that point, you can... Rebuy because your stack is at the le- at the starting level, and then do the add-on. Uh-huh. So now they come in, you know, with about five or six big blinds, and 
they're there to gamble and they didn't have to sit around and, and waste, you know, not to say waste because you can constantly rebuy into some of these tournaments. Um, and I saw them, you know, they're, 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 your style of play, you have to adapt your style of play for that. You know you're going to come in aggressive, and if you double up once or triple up, now you're right at the top of the board, right. and and you're close to the money. <laughs> you know, you're getting that much closer to the money. So, again, I, I would imagine it all depends on your mindset, how, you, how you're going to approach the tournament, what your strategy is on, on your style of play, and whether you're comfortable knowing that you're just coming in and you may be out of the tournament, because I also saw these people get it all in on the first hand and get beat. That was their extent of their tournament. They had one hand. That was it, you know. But I did see quite a few people who bought in during the break period, the last 15 minutes, whatever the break time was, did the re- add-on, rebuy, whatever, whatever they were allowed to buy in for. That's what they did, and they took advantage of it because, you know, I would imagine the mindset for the other people who have put in the, the hour and a half, two hours, whatever time frame it was, all of a sudden you kind of get a little cautious. It took me this long to develop it, and now you got somebody who just sat in fresh and goes after these people. So, again, smaller tournament, smaller tournament, so don't know how this would work out for, for, for you know, bigger buy-ins of, let's say, 500 $1,000, $1,500 buy-ins. One of the people who gave Matt Affleck his, his support on this idea was Negreanu. Uh He said, uh, this is a no-brainer. He said, if you run poker tournaments, just make sure you start the event with an ante in the first level. So he was all for that. Uh, he did say that uh, without the antes, action would be incredibly boring as players would be playing tighter instead of mixing it up. Yeah, well, that's obviously the, the intent of the antes, so people don't just, you know, clamp up and go wait till they get a decent hand you're forcing people i don't remember who it was but remember the poker uh in the main event one of the one of the great players and i wish i could remember his name right now said remember the tournament doesn't really start until the, the andes right come I remember, in i remember kick that in remember so that you know that going by that well then the tournament starts right at right in the very first hand because andes are, are are being used there so you know whose comment I'd love to hear? Phil Helmuth, who's used to always coming in late yeah, to all these exactly. things. It's become it's become his quote his thing there. You know that's that, that's his signature to come in late to these tournaments. How he would feel about that? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And whether it would change what he does, because you know you're starting what fifty thousand was the main event this year. How big are the Andes? Can they be? You know, he what he might have an extra one percent or two percent less tips than than when he would normally come in because there were no annies. Right. It all depends. Uh, and the skill level, like I said, top-notch players, it probably won't hurt them as much as novices to you know intermediate players that are just you know okay. It, it, it changes the game. Yeah. Well, of course, it's different wherever you are. I mean, we're we're kind of thinking about a lot of tournaments that are in the World Series of Poker. You're in Las Vegas. You got shows. You got things to do at night after, after you bag up. Uh, you know. Exactly. And, and you know, players like to sleep in. Uh, a lot of them are uh, drinking and uh, certainly uh, aren't ready to get up real early. There was I remember the complaints the one year they started tournaments at 11 a.m. instead of noon. You know, that was a big problem for a lot of people. Yeah, I, again, you know, some people can't sleep at night. We've had players say, listen, they're thinking about their strategy. And as the tournament, you know, goes forward, well, obviously, if you're going into multiple-day tournaments, the Andes are already, already yeah. have kicked in. Right, of course. You know, so um, interesting. That's an interesting concept. I, have they said where, you know, where the majority of the people, the opinions have come in? You just mentioned no, uh, Daniel No, I think Negrano. they're kind of early in the, uh, in the thought process and the response. Uh, he says another, this fellow, this is uh, Earl Burton that wrote this article. He says, uh, one, another way to make the tournament poker better is reduce the starting chips. Yeah. A lot of people like deep stacks, and they love having a lot of chips, but, uh, you know, Dave, think about it. A lot of things come into play here. The guarantee. So you start with lesser right. chips. Well, what happens if you don't get in the numbers that you expect? Now now you're going to get even less people entering the tournament, you know, as time goes on because, you know, oh, my God, look at the chips. I can't. And if, you know, 
if you can't rebuy, if it's one of those where you're locked out, you can't rebuy, again, there's going to be a lot of back and forth on this idea to try to, and to me, yes, the, the ante, the, the smaller stack starting, you know, by the time you sit down is the incentive that they're trying to use to move people up there. But, you know, it's like they say, you could be cutting off your nose to spite your face. So right, exactly. I don't know. I mean, I don't play enough right now in tournaments to be able to make a, 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 a proper call on this from from my point of view. But I know that most tournaments that I played in, I sat down, I'd say 95% of them in the first hand. And, and that other 5% was probably within the first 5-10 minutes of a tournament. Well, I can't really evaluate it either because I'm not uh, an experienced player. And these people talk about, oh, they have great structures there. I wouldn't know a great structure if it's smacked well, me the side of the Well, the great structure means you get a chance. The, uh, our pal Al Gomez, with that he made a deep run in the... Uh, that uh, the one where you buy in for five hundred dollars, that the one that they did this year where they didn't the take escalator. an Annie, they, they didn't take the Annie. Remember because it was the fiftieth year, right? Oh, the and big, when the big I 50, and I actually got a chance to speak to him when he was in Vegas. I don't know how we got a wires crossed and we wound up being on the phone with each other. Um, I remember now because I called Victor Castro, for who's who's our local ticket getting guy down here, and he happened to be over there in Vegas, and he goes, "Hey, let me put Big Al on for you." So I started talking to him. I knew we both knew we had done the show the night right, before, right. and we knew that he had done nice, and that's all he kept saying, "Joey, the the structures, you know, got a great structure for this. This is a great structure, and great structure is great for people who are patient." You're you're not forced to gamble right away. Right, exactly. You know you can wait for hands. You can study the table, see who you might rope in once you do get a hand, and you know with the amount of chips and and how the blinds go up, determines as to that whether it's a good structure or not. And most top tournament players prefer uh, a slow slow <laughs> slow tournament. We do know that there are turbo tournaments. Those are for the more aggressive tournament players, poker players who know how they can read a player and go, well, listen, this guy doesn't mind gambling, but he doesn't want to gamble every hand. So they're using different – it's a completely different strategy, obviously, when the, when the blinds are going up very fast. Okay. Uh, he, another thing he says, uh, if you want to increase the action, limit tables to eight players max. Once again, you get into that, well, the blinds are getting to me, and then you knock out two people in a hand. Right. Oh, my God, and that's all the bitching that you hear from tournament players, you know. Yeah, he said it would create more action, and players would be encouraged to show up sooner, lest they miss out a chance to pick up chips at the shorter table. Like I said, depending on the, the amount of money that the tournament, the buy-in is in for these tournaments and the type of players, you've got a wide range of poker players that some of them would love this because, yes, it, you know, the kick started a lot quicker. Others are going to be very upset because it doesn't fit into their style into their life, right. like you said, people like to go out and enjoy themselves at night. So, right before the start of a tournament, and you know, and when you have these multiple tournaments that are like they're running two or three, four tournaments in a day, as we know at the WSOP, with the amount of tournaments that they play, it, it becomes hard. It becomes hard to be there on time for a lot of players. So, I'm just thinking to myself. I loved the concept because that, for me, that was also a very annoying thing that there weren't tables weren't full to begin with. But uh, you know, hopefully, some of these measures will will help uh, get these players there a lot earlier. Uh, he also, <clears throat> and I guess you don't really agree with this, but he says, "Let's put okay, let's put the ante in from the start." The only problem here is that you would have to wait to start tables until you have full complement of players because it wouldn't be fair. Why should one table have to play short? When others have a full. Are table. you kidding me? It wouldn't have this. The 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 screaming could be heard probably yeah. about a mile away if that yeah. was to occur. Yeah. So I hear you. again, great concept. Let's see how they implement it. You know, here's the kind of the dealer point of view. Uh, the one response that I did look at and, and bring in was, uh, uh, she says, while the idea of starting the tournament with an Andy isn't bad, the rest of it are pretty bad ideas. You have no idea how many people will late register. Just be just so just arbitrarily blinding off stacks may never that may never be bought seems not a good idea. And punishing the guy who just busted out and reentered by reducing his starting stack doesn't seem fair. 
then change every table to eight-handed is awful for the dealers. They're already making less money than they used to. And now there are more dealers per event with more downs being split up, and that's not right. Like I said, there are many different uh, you know, uh, avenues that you have to explore before all of this comes into place. And there is, and I didn't even think about that, but that's true. You're going to need more dealers, which means more downs, which now means less per down uh, earning for the dealers. Um, you know, and it's true. It's not fair. Like I said, in Dania, they would just pick up the empty stack and start you with whatever the stack right. was. So that the players who got there early, but now there's more chips in play when you look at it than what's actually put on the board. Because remember, if the starting stacks are 10,000, right? Starting stacks are 10,000, and at the very end of the tournament, there's, you know, a thousand people. You know, you have a million in chips. Well, no. If 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 a lot of them came in late, and people were picking up dead money on you know dead blinds and andies from from stacks that weren't there, the numbers are di- it's different than that. And some people base their play based, you know, especially when you're getting near the money, Dave. You know, you're looking to see what your average stack is and how how I fare against other players, and it all depends on how much of that dead money went went into play, and I would imagine. You know, in a larger tournament, that's going to be very hard to keep track of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, let's move on. Um, speaking of Negreanu, by the way, he uh, left, we know, we left Poker Stars uh, not long uh, back, I guess maybe six months or so. Uh, he has now signed on with another online poker site called GG Poker. And uh, Bryn Kenny is also uh, part of that team. But it's a high roller. Tournaments uh, is their kind of like their niche, and you can't play in the U.S. on it, but you can play in Europe and uh, Canada and different places. And uh, they have a lot of huge tournaments, um, fifty million in guarantees in their last big series, which wow. was up about three million from the year before. Uh, they were running twenty-five thousand dollar buy-in tournaments every hour in September. Pretty wow, crazy. Uh, so he it's a lot of money that. to be investing in that site, huh? To, to, you have to deposit to play in those in those in that site. Yeah, yeah. He was with uh, Poker Stars for 12 years, by the way, and uh, started back in 2007 when it was just a fledgling fledgling co- up and coming you know company. So, uh, not available to American players, but slowly becoming popular among players in other areas of the globe, especially among high stakes grinders. So there's another avenue out there. And uh, finally, I want to congratulate Tony Burns, by the way, uh, getting some recognition in the new Card Player magazine, uh, talking about his uh, promotion to uh, Director of Poker Marketing for all of Seminole Gaming. And uh, they did a big story with pictures and everything. And uh, he mainly talks about you know the, the things that have happened there at the Hard Rock, but he also talks about his background in baseball, he was a bat boy for the Marlins, which is how he got to know Jeff Conine years ago, uh, but was involved as a baseball player, a younger, and then kind of just got caught into poker when he uh, when he was in, just happened to be in Vegas in 2003 when Chris Moneymaker won the tournament. Not that he went to see it because he said he was a little too young then and didn't really get into it, but uh, did get into poker later. And, uh, of course, is a good player, uh, plays in some events, but, uh, you know, he's obviously very busy now. So I don't know over the next year how much he's going to be able to play. Yeah, it's a, a definite rising star in the industry. Yeah, for sure. And that star is already halfway up to, you know, up the ladder. So congratulations to Tony. We know him to be a super nice guy. Obviously, you know, when he moved over from the aisle to the Hard Rock, he's just done an incredible job. Yeah, and for sure. Congratulations on the promotion and everything, Tony. Okay. Uh, Well, let's take our last break. Uh, When we come back, we'll uh, talk about a new article that's going to be a regular featuring card player. Uh, They lost uh, Roy Cook, who decided to quit writing for them. Uh, I don't know exactly. He's been uh, in the real estate business for quite some time out in Vegas. Him and his wife, yeah. But uh, 
they are not. He is not going to be writing on. The, he'll write occasional feature. He said, but he uh, had his farewell article, and I, I didn't bring it in tonight. But we'll we'll talk about that in the future because I know you're a big fan. Yes, I've enjoyed reading Roy Cook for years, for years, for years. So, but replacing him, I guess, in a way, will be Greg Raymer is going to have a regular column, mm. and a very interesting article about uh, you know what you need to do uh, to. Keep players happy, and that is be nice to people. So it's kind of a simple concept, but I want to talk about that a little bit when we come back. That's my forte at work. You're, you're being a nice guy. <laughs> That's my forte. I always hear that. You're it's such a nice it's guy. Very, it's very easy for I, me. Listen, so. to me, it comes very natural, and it and it's not hard work. Yeah. You know, it's not hard work at all. Absolutely. So. Okay, let's take this break. When we come back, we'll finish things up. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we will be back after these messages on the show. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet. It will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. Can you tell if the leftovers from this dinner party are beginning to grow bacteria that could lead to severe diarrhea, vomiting, and stomach cramps? Listen. You can't see it either. Get leftovers into the refrigerator as soon as possible. Spoiled leftovers can make you very sick or worse. Roughly 3,000 Americans will die from food poisoning this year, but you can keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Okay, final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe on Poker Action Line. Greg Raymer uh, just came out with a book, uh, and it is called Fossil Man's Winning Tournament Strategies. So as a way to help promote that, he is doing a regular article now. Uh, D&B Publishing, one of the top po- uh, poker publishing companies, uh, produces that book. And uh, there was a while that we didn't see Greg, but he's been playing uh, pretty well last the few Heartland, years. Was he been Heartland, Heartland Poker Tour he was involved with. And we had him once on our show. Yeah, we've had him on a couple times, but a uh, uh, nice guy. And he said by being a nice guy, that's a way you can improve everything at the table. Of course, you don't want to drive people away by berating them. He said, we've, play, we've seen plenty of grumpy and nasty players at the table. And he said, when was the last time you saw a player behaving like this who was actually winning? Behaving what? As a, as a Nasty na- and grumpy. Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, I do see some people you know? like that. Yeah, because that's just their makeup. They're, they're, my opinion is they're either miserable with life and they don't care how they upset people. And they live their lives like that. I, you know, in all my years here, Dave, I've seen... Just absolutely miserable a-holes on the poker table. Yeah, As a matter of fact, today, in a 2-4 limit game, these guys, are, you're coming out there to play for the high hands. They're not playing real poker for the most part. And yet, they still can't 
be nice. I get a dealer called over today, and she's telling me, listen, this guy is just saying this. And the guy's going, no, I didn't say that. And everybody at the table's nodding at me like this, going, yeah. So I tell him, listen, if I get called over here again, this this is your first and final warning. And 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 I'm thinking to myself, why are you leaving your house if you're gonna if you're gonna be this freaking miserable at a table? Yeah, absolutely. At, why? Absolutely. Why? Why? You you should be coming to the poker room, especially at the level that they're playing. They're not investing. It's not like like a one two two five game that we used to have always had there that. The money was significant. If you're playing for significant money, that could change your attitude because you got one outed or whatever the case is. You're here. You're, it, it's almost like entertainment purposes where you, you're going to risk maybe $100 if, if you're really unlucky in a 2-4 game and have a chance to win a $300 high hand every top of the hour for the first for the half hour. You, know, you should be there smiling and enjoying yourself. And we do have people like that. Don't get me wrong. What gets to me is... The small percentage that are constantly miserable, you know, and, I, and I've actually asked some of them, Dave, and they've looked at me and they go, I don't know. I go, what do you mean you don't know? I go, I go, why do you come into this poker room three out of four days that I see you in this poker room? Within ten minutes, unless you hit a high hand, I go, you're, you're miserable. You're making everybody else around you all upset. And no one has given me a good answer. No one has said to me, I'm sorry, I've had a bad day at home. This yeah, has exactly, happened. Yeah. You know, it, it amazes the hell out of me because my my personality is not that. I don't do that. I, I, you know, I go the opposite direction. I try to be, you know, as nice to people. And people are going, oh, you're so nice. And, that, and I'm going, everybody should be like this. I go, I go, my parents taught me one thing at a very young age, especially my dad. Treat people the way you want to be treated. If you do that, you know, life would be so much better for everybody, not just in the poker room, but outside. His point is that uh, the most profitable games are the ones where everybody's having a great time, playing nice and loose, uh, putting their chips at risk on several hands. Uh, They say that you can just ruin the mood at the table by berating someone. And uh, those are n- become no longer the games where everybody's laughing and joking and having a great time. No, and and remember, what's the big, what's what's the one frontier that poker is still trying to overcome? Women. There you go, women drive people. Now, away. how many women do you know want to be in an environment like this where the you know where 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 everybody's trying to see uh, you know the, the test their manhood uh, to see uh, you know who's got the biggest one at the table by by acting like an animal and you know. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's it's brutal. I I get real. I get upset with the with the people who are creating this problem. I really don't have a, a long fuse for this, uh, and 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 I don't have any tolerance once they start using bad language and, and cursing at, at at any of my dealers. Well, he says when you berate a player, then they're going to play after that. They're going to play tighter. They're not good. They're going they're going to need less hands, and they're actually going to be playing better. So you're actually playing against a tougher opponent now than the one that was uh, putting his chips at risk. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you another thing. That's a that's a 100% right on the money, Dave. And here's the other thing. You have, I don't want to say a fish, but you've got a, a bad player, all right, or a novice that's there. They want to enjoy themselves. Why are you going to do anything? So even though they may not be the focus of, 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 of your anger, they're uncomfortable, yeah. and they get up and leave the game. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I could write a book about all of this over the years with this, the stuff that I have seen there. And, and it's true, and it's, it sucks, Dave, because you want to hear something that I don't know if they, they, they uh, approach this in the article that you're reading or that Greg has said. What really sucks is that a large majority of these players – are some of your better tippers? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, well, he doesn't mention that. And but, and, but I'm telling you that, that angle, because because that's how they maintain themselves in some of the rooms. God forbid you act like a complete a hole, and you're and you don't tip at all. The the tolerance level there is at at negative zero, <laughs> below zero. Okay, and now if you're a great tipper, people come up and they all look at each other. We know how this industry is. You got to make your money. Dealers have a tough time trying to correct that behavior because this is the guy who's going to throw you, you know, a, a green bird, exactly. you know, when he wins a good pot, exactly. even though he's acting like a complete moron. 
and now you've got to kind of weigh that, and you really shouldn't have to because that, that all of a sudden sets presidents in, in, in the room, and, and, and you don't want to do that. Uh, he talks about how he teaches lots of group seminars, and he always tells his students, he said, if you criticize how someone else plays their cards, you're an idiot, an asshole, or both. Uh, I agree with the third choice there. <laughs> <laughs> he said, and usually the person that's lashing out is often completely wrong. Even if they're not, Dave, it's it's just, you know, the old saying, hey, lessons are on Tuesday, you know, when the argument's happening on a Thursday. Yeah, it, it's People just can't help themselves, Dave. It, it's amazing, you know, the, the and and the ones who do that, are for the most part better players, and they're just, they just want to prove that, hey, the only reason I lost this pot is because this moron made a call. And, and when they've come up to me, I go, really? I go, now let me ask you something. That moron hit a one-outer, and you're insulting the hell out of him. I don't know about you, but I want that guy making that call every, every time. single time. Yeah. I'm going to tell him, that was a wonderful call, buddy. I can't believe I made that bet into you. I want that guy to believe they, they they can't put their ego in check, Dave. They want to prove to everybody at the table, I knew what I did. I see I made the right move, and, and I always tell them, I go, buddy, this is a saying that I always have. I go, I go, the operation was a success, but the patient died anyway. So you did everything correctly. He got his one-outer. If that person doesn't get his one-outer every now and then, the game dries up. Yeah, exactly. And these people can't seem to... to to see beyond that. So and he says, you know, obviously you, you, the last thing you want is for a, a new player to quit a game. Of course. But, but what do you do about it? Here's what he says. He says, if you know the person doing that, participating in that sort of behavior, uh, catch him on a break, get him away from the table, and just explain to him how he's, what he's doing is horrible for the game. I've, exact, I've done that many times, Dave. I've done that many times where I go, listen, you're smarter than that. And they're still steaming about it. And I'm telling him, listen, I go, you don't want this guy making that call 100% of the time. You want to scare off these good players. And the only ones I do that with are the ones that this is a rare occasion that they do this. You know, But there are people who come into, this, into, this, into our poker room, and I'm sure every poker room, especially here in South Florida because I've seen it, that just walk through that door and they are mad at life. They're miserable with whatever their, their lot in life is. And... and they want to affect everybody else's. If I'm not going to be happy, nobody's going to be happy. And he said the other thing you can do if you don't know this player or you don't feel he's going to listen to you or he's not approachable or whatever, that to concentrate your efforts on the person who was insulted and tell him, you know, hey, that wasn't a bad play at all. Uh, he's just a whiny baby and this and that. And you can back them up a little bit well, and, uh, you know, make them feel a little bit about better about true, themselves. That's but, true, but I don't like that so much from a management point of view. But what I have seen is... Players at the table. I like. I personally like to, you know, get the guy who's created the situation. The player who's been insulted realizes, hey, the room is doing something to prevent this. And the intelligent poker players who realize he's berating a, a novice, a new player. I don't want to say a bad player, but someone who's not making the proper calls. And you want to, and they're going to say, hey, this guy's just an idiot, an asshole, like you said. Let it go. The other players usually are smart enough to, you know, uh, soothe the problem, you know, t try to take it into their own hands to make that other person who who was the target of that uh, feel more comfortable. And I've seen that. And then I'll always apologize when, I, when I've been involved in it. I'm, you know, I'm sorry this person did this to you. I don't want to look like I'm taking, you know, sides with players because later you may have to make a decision and the decision goes to that person. And the people, oh, so you're only doing that because this guy, you know, treated him like a moron, you know, an hour ago. So, because they come up with every single excuse for, for, for why you did something. There's, there's always, there's always a, a purpose and a meaning behind what your decision was instead of just making the decisions based on the rules. Yeah, absolutely. He says, uh, absolutely, uh, help everyone have fun. That's it. He said, you're there to have fun. Why are you playing if you're not? And if you have, if everybody's having fun, it's going to be more profitable for Listen, you as well. I go up to the table, like sometimes like when somebody hits a high hand, some of the guys that like to joke around, 
and I walk up and then I go, oh, who's got the high hand? This person? If they got long sleeves, I go, wait a minute, I know this SOB. Come here, let me see. You got cards up your sleeve and, and everybody at the table starts laughing and, you know, you want them to have a good experience. We understand when money's involved, if you don't win money, you know, your temper or your, your, your mood is definitely going to change. But if you at least make them enjoy it, it's an entertainment. If you make it look like entertainment, most people, 90, a large percentage, it, what sucks, Dave, is like we all know in, in every aspect of life, just 1%, 2% of assholes out there ruin Absolutely. everything that's nice. And he for, said, for, he said you if know. you're not the kind of person that's the life of the party, just don't do anything yourself to inhibit the fun at the table. And, uh, you know, uh, just just be nice to people. That way you'll end up winning more money and have more Wasn't fun. Wasn't it Matt Glantz or, or, um, that said, remember how I was, you know, no headsets that they did that tournament last year yeah, in California? The, uh, yeah, where ta- And it's true because when I got into Matt poker. Savage. Uh, Matt Savage, excuse me, uh, Matt. Uh, the social w- experiment. Right. And that's how poker was when I got into it. You know, you had your one little rough guy there, but everybody was talking. When the rough guy guy kind of got a little upset, something got under his skin, they'd start busting his balls, and you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden you get a laugh out of them, and and you socialize and got to know everybody there. It's it's become combat poker now yeah, for the most part. So well, let's close on a sad note. Uh, John Gale, who was a well-respected player, and I I, I wasn't really. Uh, you know, he was 65. He passed away uh, in, on November 19th. Uh, the reason I know of John is uh, we had T.J. Schulman on the show, and when they had the tag team championship, John Gale was his partner. They finished fifth in the tournament, so uh, he talked very highly about him, and he just passed away, so we're sad to hear that. Oh, but, rest uh, in peace, sir. What can you do? Uh, life goes on. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. We appreciate uh Joe, your contributions as usual from the show. Gio, thank you as well. And uh, we will be back with uh, another edition of Poker Action Line next week. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 